Terry L. Cyrus, the creator and host of Prepare for Takeoff, where the podcast is dedicated to amplifying black excellence. Every week, we sit down with a proven professional or a rising entrepreneur who will continue to pour and share all of the different secrets to their success and help you prepare for takeoff. This week, we sit down with somebody who actually has the duality of being both a proven professional and a rising entrepreneur. As I tell her all the time, she's like the sun. She's always signing. We, you know what? Without any further ado, we're bringing to the stage Samantha Hamilton. Samantha, what's going on? Hey, Terry. Thank you so much for having me on the Prepare for Takeoff podcast. I'm really excited to be here, and I really appreciate you for extending the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. You know what? A day can't go by without having the sun, so the sun is always shining. So we had to bring the sun on the podcast and make sure that she pull up to make sure that we got, you know, bright weather for the, for the rest of our days. Listen, if you've been in New York this fall, it's been dreary, dreary, dreary. So I'm so honored that you would call me the sun and say that I came in, you know, to, to brighten things up because that's part of my philosophy. Um, so so I really respect that. And I thank you for, for taking the time to have me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, let's unpack your professional career. Let's start back to your days in New York City and how you matriculated to Georgetown and then found your way in law school. And, you know, just kind of unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how, how did I get into Georgetown? Actually, um, so growing up, I'm from Queens. Um, so I rep Queens. Um, Queens get the money. And so I went to um, a school in Queens, a private all-girls school. I didn't want to go to an all-girls uh, school. My mom was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, 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 that's where you're headed. Keep you so, away from the boys, right? Keep you away from the <laughs> <little> boys. <laughs> My sister was at this school, you know, um, before me. And honestly, it was a great experience. It was a great education. Shout out to Mary Lewis Academy. Um, and shout, so there was, shout out, shout <laughs> out. There was a program there that I got involved with. Um, there's a group, I think their name was College Karma. And so they were, you know, they were going around and they would like read, you know, the personal statements and give recommendations and, you know, all, all that type of thing. Um, and so Georgetown was like, it was a reach for me as in it. Um, I didn't know if I was, you know, going to be able to get in, but I was able to get in. I was able to go, um, shout out to my uncle, Neil Albert, um, for as well, helping to facilitate that. And um, it was really a great experience. You know, I went to Georgetown four years in D.C., um, which if people tell you D.C. is like a smaller New York, they're lying. There's nothing like New York. Um, but I had a great time in D.C. And when I was there, you know, I always knew I wanted to uh, to go to law school. I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. But um, I didn't know, you know, how exactly I was going to I was going to get there and, and really um, create that path. Um, and, you know, throughout my time there, like, I was just so really blessed and fortunate to be a part of some great organizations. One of my friends had founded, like, the Black Free Law Association um, at Georgetown at the time that I was there. And so it was, you know, things like that that really connected us. Um, uh, I got to meet, you know, a lot of folk uh, through that organization. We partnered up with um, the Black Law Student Association at Georgetown Law. Um, and so, you know, folks just gave me like really good, um, really good pointers. And so, you know, me like from a young age, if people, you know, that have more game than me, people, you know, that have more experience than me, were saying like, you know, listen, this is my trial and error and this is, this is what I did and it worked for me. I'll be like, all right, bet, copy. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse right? Rinse and repeat, like, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. And so, you know, when it came time for applying for law school, folks told me, this is the prep course you need to take for the LSAT. Took that took that prep course. Um, me and my roommate at the time, we studied together. And, you know, that was when I really first learned, like, Oh man, I can't. I can't be out here. I can't be going to all the parties. I can't be doing. I can't everything. be in these streets. I can't be in these streets because I have <laughs> to study. Like I'll never forget, there was um, a protest um, that was that was going on, and I like actually felt like really weird. I felt really guilty. Like yo, I have LSAT homework. I have to like I have to study. Mm. You know, I have to study for this homework. Like. 
I can't be, you know, I can't, I can't go out to that. Um, there were, there were parties going on. It was our senior year of college. It was parties going on. I was like, you know, we can't be involved in that. We have to wake up early and do prep class. Like, like, (laughs) you know, so that was my first, um, real experience with like having to sacrifice the stuff I really wanted to do, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in, and just kind of sit down and focus. Um, but I think that, you know, if you're, you know, 20, 21 years old, you're like, man, I got to sit down and, you know, and, and focus. It's really only going to prepare you well for the rest of your life. Because sometimes you just got to sit down, stay out the streets. Right. So you were preparing for takeoff before the podcast. Oh, I've, I've, now- been, I've been preparing <laughs> to take off for a long time since even before I met you. Right. So now I'm sure that starts at home. So um, after doing our due diligence, uh, we found out that not only do you represent black excellence, but so too do your parents. So tell us a little bit about your parents. You know, shout shout out the parents for real. Um, I love my parents. They're they're some of the funniest people that you'll ever meet. Uh, So my mom is from Haiti and my father's from Guyana. And so, you know, I also have that unique experience of being um, the first generation um, in America. You know, me and my sister, you know, we're the only uh, kids that my parents have, um, even though uh, my parents are now remarried. And so, you know, we have step siblings as well, um, but mm-hmm. we're the first generation um, to be in this country. And so, um, you know, my mother came, my mother came over um, and... When we were young, she was studying um, a lot for her board uh, and studying, you know, for her residency um, because she's a physician. She's actually a psychiatrist. Um, mm. So, you know, from a young age, you know, we saw we saw her studying, saw her grinding. Um, my dad, when we were when we were young, he was studying for his master's in education, uh, which he got. He's an educator. Um, he's a pastor. He just got his Ph.D um recently and then he went back in and enrolled in another in another master's program so you know the man loves the man loves education you know um even my step parents my stepfather's a psychologist my stepmother is a nurse practitioner so you know my parents um really like from day one like their goal is education and you know Caribbean parents uh They'll they'll shove education down your throats like you can't you can't breathe for for talk of education. But um, with them, you know, they weren't just talking it. Like we really saw, we really saw that that they lived it. Like we saw them studying, you know, in addition to just talking about it. So that was something I always respected about them from the jump. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that helps drive me is my daughter. And I, 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 I so agree with you 110%. Kids don't listen to what you say. They listen to what they see. And, you know, I want to show my daughter that anything she puts her mind to, she can achieve it. She had her own digital show. She's since retired. And <laughs> she, she's, <laughs> she's 10. <laughs> yeah, she's retired. She started at seven and she's like, daddy, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm retired. <laughs> and, I respect you know, it. <laughs> she respected. She said she really, she really got it figured out. She's, I'm gonna put these two years in, and then I'm out of here. <laughs> but she's one of the things that she, one of the things she would always end her show with, if you can dream it, you can achieve it, and that's so true. Whatever is yeah. in our spirit, and I believe that our spirit is tied to our purpose. Now the enemy will try to manipulate our mind with fear, but our purpose is tied to our passion. So you mentioned that you knew at an early age you wanted to be an attorney. Like, how far back did you know you wanted to be an attorney? Was it because nobody could win any arguments with you? Is it because you loved to read as, 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 as you know, as, as a hobby for something for fun? Like, I'm outside playing. I'm playing wiffle ball, whatever. Are you reading, <laughs> like, novels in, in the summertime? Is, is that one of the things you said, you know what? Yo. You know, they're going to pay me to read. You know, sign me up. Like, when did you know? Yo, I'm going to give you two examples, actually. Um, I don't even remember exactly when this was, but I remember, like, I had got some money for, like, for my birthday or something. 
and it was like my sister or some somebody asked you know let me hold let me hold some of it I'll, I'll, I'll give it back and wouldn't you know I really pulled out a journal and I wrote on this day <laughs> at this time <laughs> you wrote a contract <laughs> oh contract I said, you said you'll, you'll give it back to me when? All right, bet. And I signed it, and I made them sign it. Now, you know, of course, they never they never gave me back the money when they said they would, but I was so serious with it. Like, I was like, oh, you said you was going to give it back to me? Prove it. Sign, wow. sign the back of my diary. <laughs> like, Get out of here. I wasn't playing with it. Um, during the summers... Um, it's so funny you said, you know, was I reading novels? Yeah, I absolutely was. Um, but it's I blame it all on my father. Um, or I guess I credit it all, it all to him. And I'll never forget this. When my cousins would, like, come over to our house during the summertime. You know, it's summertime. Trying to be in the backyard, like, throwing balloons, riding bikes and stuff. My father said, nah. In the morning, he would be like, here's a math workbook. Here's a science workbook. We got some books for you. You could read, you know. But in the morning, he's like, "We're gonna do some. We're gonna do some work. All right." After you know, we'll have lunch, and after lunch, you know, he would always have like something fun. We're out to, you know, we all load in the car. We go to a park we never been to before, mm. or you know, we he found out there was you know the, a free zoo, you know, something. You know, so he he always balanced it. He always made it like really fun. But I'm telling you, nobody was trying to see those workbooks in in the morning. Like, and my cousins would always like grumble. But by the end of the day, you know, we we had a fun time because you put the work in, and then and then you get to relax. You know, so mm-hmm. that's something my father was always big on. Summertime, you're not sleeping, you're not slacking. And if we weren't doing the workbooks, then me and my sister had a competition, like between the two of us, who could read the most books in the summer. I swear I was about to say that. I said, don't tell me it was who can read the most. It was a competition. It was a reading competition, Terry. And so um, now my sister would always, especially because my sister's older than me, she's a year older. So Mm -hmm. she would read, you know, she's like, I want to read interesting books. So now she reading you know, long books, thick books, fiction, you know, all whatever. I said, listen, the game is how many books, right? right. So, so I was hip. I was reading the tiniest, skinniest little books, but I was, I was getting them done. I was getting them out because it was a numbers game. She would always right. be so upset if I, if I won. And I was like, you were hip to the game. You was, I was hip you to were the being, game. You were being efficient. You were being efficient. So now, so now bring me up to speed as far as you went to law school and yeah. how did you matriculate from law school into what you find yourself doing now? And tell us a little bit about, you know, your, um, you know, your professional trajectory as far as, you know, I know what it is, but many people that's watching or listening, they may not be aware of all of your illustriousness. So <laughs> I'll give you the opportunity to share with us, you know, what that consists of. All right. No problem. So, um, so I'm an immigration attorney, um, and I also do entertainment as well. So I have a lot of different types of clients. I am, uh, mostly right now do work visas and green cards. So I represent like musicians, um, singers. I've represented athletes, um, film producers, writers. Um, you know, so it really, it really runs the gamut. I also mm-hmm. represent, um, you know, journalists more on more on the media side as well, um, and we represent them in for work visas, green cards, you know, family-based petitions, you know, um, and I've recently um, been getting more into um, entertainment flow as well, representing artists um, and um, negotiations, things like that. So mm-hmm. it really is a fascinating um, practice. I think it's really fascinating. I get to not only learn a lot about folks, but learn a lot about the world and the lens through which creatives see the world, um, mm-hmm. which I love because, um, you know, I, I consider myself like a bit of a creative, even though um, I can be very, very analytical. Like I mentioned, um, I, I studied psychology at Georgetown. So, you know, mm. I could, 
I could be a little analytical, you know, make, you know, checking, checking things out, um, psychoanalyzing the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a really, it's really interesting for me to, you know, sort of combine, um, combine all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of how did I get here? I really didn't know what type of law I wanted to practice. When, Mm -hmm. uh, when I got into law school, I really had no idea. And there were a lot of people, you know, um, came in like, I'm going to do sports law. I'm going to do, you know, finance. I'm going to work in big law, like corporate law. You know, one of um, one of my friends who's um, one of my best friends to this day, she came in and she said, I want to do entertainment. I want to do film. Um, and she was very specific on that. And another one of my best friends, my best friends to this day, um, you know, came in like, I'm going to do um, criminal justice and I'm going to be a defense attorney. And so, you know, it was a little intimidating for me because all these people are like, this is what I'm going to do. And I had no idea. I straight up mm. was an open book, blank page. But, you know, I think that aided me a lot because I was just like a sponge, like soaking up all the information. Um, you know, if people ask me about law school, I'll say this is very it's very humbling the first year. When you think about mm-hmm. it, every first year law student in um, in America, in an accredited law school, they're all learning the same curriculum. They have the same classes. It's the same mm. cases. It's all the same. Mm. Right? It's only your second year when things start to like diversify a little more. You can pick and choose a little more. So no matter what law time, school you go to, it's you the, have same the same curriculum. Classes. It's contract law, torts, civil procedure, like you might get a legal writing, you know, maybe in the first year they might teach evidence in some in some cases, maybe not. It's constitutional law, like we're all learning the same thing. So, you know, it's a humbling experience, but it's a unifying experience as well, if you think about mm-hmm. it, that, um, you know, I read um, something Sonia uh, Sotomayor, um, who's a justice on the Supreme Court, had mm-hmm. said had said once about starting, uh, you know, in law school, and that it's really humbling. Um, but it's nice because every lawyer, every judge that you can think of, they all, you know, have had that experience with those right. same annoying cases that they've been teaching since the 1700s. So I was like, you know, it's um, it's 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 kind of nice. But you know, mm-hmm. your second year is when you start to really branch out a little more. Um, and in my second year. I started an immigration justice clinic. Um, and that was really fascinating because it was, you know, the things that people think of when they think of immigration, they think of deportation, they think of, you know, people at the border, they think of um, asylum, because those are things that's in the news. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of different types of, of immigration. Um, and that's something that I learned really well in in my second year of law school because I learned that I didn't want to do um, necessarily that that type of work. It was, you know, I, I I love the work. I have a lot of friends who you know who are engaged in that type of work, and I think it's really something that's very like personally gratifying, and I respect mm-hmm. them so much for it because you really have to be geared to that type of public service. Right. 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 It's, it's, it's not easy. I can imagine. And one of the things that come to mind, you're right, like how we're programmed by the media and mm-hmm. realizing that New York is considered a sanctuary city. Has there been a rise in cases that you guys have seen? And does, you know, just kind of unpack as far as your firm, first off, by name, what is, you know, what's the name of your firm, if you can divulge that? And then secondly, how is that explosion of immigrants that are just pulling up on buses, how has that impacted your firm and the work that you guys do? You know, so it's really, um, it's really fascinating. So um, my firm is WR Immigration. Uh, and, and we do, you know, really what I think is really great work. We mostly focus on corporate visas, what we call business immigration. And so mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time it's work visas, but we also do family-based immigration. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely uh, a variance. There's a lot of different types of immigration and especially different immigration that, um, that, that my firm handles. 
Um, you know, <laughs> when we're thinking about like, you know, busloads pulling up and, you know, things like that that we hear about in, in the news a lot, um, it, I wouldn't say necessarily affect my work as much because the majority of the time um, we represent companies who are hiring individuals to work in, in okay. so that's the way that, that my job works. Now, by doing that, I also have a lot of skills that I can use in different areas. Um, so I'm a member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and we got a call, um, you know, recently saying we need volunteers to help fill out these types of forms for people who are, you know, coming in by the busload, right? Mm-hmm. And so even though I don't work in, in that arena, the type of forms that they're doing is the same forms that I do for my clients. So can I go, you know, and, and volunteer and pull up and, and devote my resources and my skills in that way? Absolutely, I can. You know, um, mm-hmm. we have, um, there's a great organizations that help people with, um, with their citizenship applications, right? And so mm-hmm. they might have, um, you know, programs or events where for three, four hours, you know, there are going to have people who are available there that people can come, uh, you know, and, and help out with. Um, at my church a couple of years ago, I go to the Bethany Seventh-day Adventist Church in Westbury on Long Island. And okay. um, we had an immigration fair a couple of years ago that I spearheaded, which was great because we just, you know, opened our doors to the community. Um, and I had some great friends with me who came in from law school. I had a couple of people who were able to be there translating um, in Spanish and Haitian Creole for the community. Um, and, you know, and I was able to, to give back and, and help on that front for a little bit just by virtue of, you know, this is the experience that I have. And, and I'm able to, you know, to give this experience out and to help people. You know, there people always have, you know, immigration questions for me. Um, my dad is really good at this. He's always calling me like, mm, I have a church elder. Mm, we have a cousin. <laughs> mm, you know, we have such and such and so and so. And he's always calling me up, you know, to ask, you know, to ask me questions about this. And I think it's really, it is really helpful because not only the law is so obscure, but immigration law is so specific. And so, mm. you know, to, you know, I'm, and I'm always, I'm always happy to help um, because I know that it's, it's, it's very specific. And right. so, you know, people call me up, you know, if I'm like, if it's a friend or family, you know, sure, no problem. Uh, I'll take the call. You know, let's, let's knock it out of hand with it. Um, right. <laughs> like, it's a referral minimum. It's a referral maximum, I should say. You know, you get three no. referrals a year. You're at your, you're at your oh, referral max. <laughs> my dad would max that in a month, man. I'm telling you, he always, he right. always got people. He's, but you know what it is? He's proud of you. So I'm sure he's like, my daughter, she's an attorney, and she specializes in immigration. And you know what? I can ask my daughter, because realizing that you mentioned he's a, he's, he's a pastor. Yeah. And, you know, they're all about the community and they're all about their parishioners. Pastor, I have a question. Well, they're coming to him with a question and he feels compelled to give them an answer. He has an answer on speed dial. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> he be, he be That's what it is. Up, but I'm like, you know, what? I'm a total daddy's girl. I love my father. So I'll, I'll pick up the phone. I'll, I'll help him out. Absolutely. Now, now I'm sure, as I pick, as I say to people all the time, we are shaped by those who have raised us. Realizing yeah. that your mother's a physician, your father's a he, he's a pastor who loves to learn, <laughs> he has his PhD, and his daughter loves to read, and and I'm sure that all of those things. Realizing that your mom is a you know she she, she practices in psychiatry, correct? Yes. And, and you have a, and your undergrad is in psychology. Now I have witnessed that firsthand. Cause when we met, we met at Beasley and I, I feel as though your, 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 uh, analyzing skills was, was, uh, you know, they, they were on display because I was there and I was just kind of in observation mode, but I didn't know that I was being observed when I was in observation mode. And that just speaks to kind of, 
you know, who you are and how you show up and how you pull up as it pertains to saying, okay, that's somebody that I can respect how he's moving because he's not moving like eager beaver because it's like, I'm not eager beaver. I'm in here. I want to have the right conversations. I don't want to have a bunch of conversations. And I felt as though, you know, when we had a conversation, when we started to, you know, have our dialogue, I know that from my end, I was able to see myself in you and it, it, it was like almost instantaneous. I'm like, you were able to take me back some two decades as it pertains to <laughs> oh, that's so sweet, how, I, how, how I was in these rooms in New York city um, and trying to introduce myself at the time as an artist manager. And then later as an A&R, that's where I got my background in entertainment started on the music side and how important it was to work those rooms because we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have LinkedIn. We, we had business cards and your ability to communicate. If your elevator pitch was whack, then, you know, it was a wrap for you. So that has kind of propelled me to this day to the point where yes. it's not a room that I don't feel like I belong in. And I could sense that same thing from you. I'm like, you know, this sister, you know, she's having a conversation with me. Like we've known each other for at least six months and I can respect that because I'm the same way. I don't meet any strangers. <laughs> you know, I, I could be somewhere in another country and I'm going to use my Google translator to have a dialogue <laughs> with you. No different than we uptown. So I could see all of that in you. And I wanted to see how was that propelled your, you know, professional career? Because I, I realized and understand you're at this big firm and you have this duality. And I don't know if some of the work that you do on the entertainment side, is that you as an independent practitioner? And if so, I know how difficult it is to make those inroads to do anything in entertainment, whether as an attorney, as a producer, songwriter, or manager. So like, how did your gift the gab, like of a better word, serve you well to be able to have that duality and being able to kind of take on those disciplines? You know, it's um, it's been difficult. I've always been a talker, um, but sometimes I could I, I could be a rambler. And actually, um, since college, I've always been involved in like in choirs and in music. I love I love music. I love gospel music. Um, and so my old um, our gospel choir director, um, he actually told me this once. I was just about to graduate um, Georgetown. And he asked me, he said, are you preparing for, uh, for a career in public speaking? And I said, me, public speaking? You know, not really. I'm, I'm going to go to law school and, you know, I'm going to put my head in a textbook and, and, and read the case. And he said, you know, think, think about it. I think, I, think he'd be, I think he'd be pretty good at it. And he told me that years, years ago. Um, and... And I still rem I still remembered it. Um, shout out Phil. Shout out Phil Carter. Uh, he's you know he works in the gospel music space. He's he's incredible. Um, and so you know that that one thing you know it, it gave me a lot of confidence. But when I was coming into law school, because um, I didn't take any time between undergrad and law school, which you know depending on your circumstances, I would either recommend or not recommend. Um, it really mm -hmm. depends you know on you. Me, I didn't want my student loans to kick in. So I said, we're going to keep this train rolling. And I'm going to go straight in, especially knowing that I want to be a lawyer. You know, I'm going to go straight in and, and you know, continue to be um, in this student mindset. Um, mm -hmm. So when I got to law school, you know, I really tried to sit down, analyze, you know, what are things that I liked about the way that, um, that I had handled my undergrad experience? What are things I didn't like? What are some things that, that I wanted to change? You know, so I wanted to be more serious. I wanted to study more. Um, mm -hmm. You know, at Georgetown, you know, we we studied a lot, but I don't feel like maybe it was as 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 effective as as it could have been. Maybe it wasn't enough. Maybe maybe we did a little much too much partying. Um, maybe there was too much drama. But I said I need to really you know sit down and study. And I said I need to do more networking. Um, I had an ex who was really good at networking. I'm an undergrad and I was like shy, like in the corner. So I said, I need, I need to be better at that. So I had to teach myself, Perry. Um, and when, when I was coming in, it was like my first year of, of, of law school and I was young and I didn't know anything and I didn't know anybody, but I said, you know what? I have to force myself 
And even if I'm the only first year student in the room, which, um, which it was, you know, that was the case. I had, but I had great mentors who pulled me in and pulled me up. Um, even if I was like the only law student in the room, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was like, that only makes me stick out more and that makes me more attractive. And that's the right. advice that I actually, there you go. yeah, that's the advice I literally just gave to somebody who, you know, um, reached out on LinkedIn, a law student who reached out, you know, telling me, oh, you know, I want to talk to you about your career and your trajectory. And I told him, you know, listen, the things you're doing are great because, you know, similar to how you said um, that I reminded you of you at the Beesla event, you know, he reminded me of me, like just reaching out, you know, just going, just going and get it. Right. Um, And so in terms of that trajectory, it's like when I'm learning how to navigate these spaces and Mm -hmm. When I went to that Beast Level, I didn't know anybody, you know, similarly. And so I said, I'm, I'm going to just have to have to see, you know. I'm going to have to figure it out. Yeah, I'm going to figure right. it out. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm leaving here with something. So we're going go. <laughs> to we're gonna make it work. Um, and, you know, in terms of like those psychoanalysis that, that you mentioned, um, yeah, definitely, you know, it's, it's really hard. Like networking is not easy. Right. And I think a lot of a lot of folks in my generation and the generation, you know, generations um, below me, you know, we really understand that, especially if you spend, you know, your your whole day behind a screen when you actually have mm-hmm. to get up and FaceTime with people. That's right. difficult. And especially, you know, for me, learning more about this new industry, getting more into the entertainment practice, you know, um, I was nervous. Like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew that, Terry, but at that um, Beesla event, like, I was, I was a little nervous. I don't know people, you know, people are coming with their elevator pitches, like, I represent such and such, and he had two million TikTok, you know, followers, <laughs> and they just got all this, and I'm like, I don't have, I don't have any of that, you He's know. He's like, like, don't, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming in like, hey, my name is Sam. Right nice to meet you you know so that elevator picture talking about you know i i had none of it um so you know but i think it was um it's very interesting because you know my elevator pitch is totally different my elevator pitch is about myself and it's about immigration and the intersection of immigration and entertainment um which is Mm -hmm. where i reside and you know some some people are like, okay, that that doesn't have anything to do with this. But I'm like, I know that I represent, you know, athletes. I represent singers. I represent um, corp- corporate people like C C level um, C suite executives who mm-hmm. are not American citizens. So I'm like, you know, there absolutely is a space for that. Um, there absolutely mm-hmm. is an intersection there. Um, and you know, if if you want to talk to me about that. And we can talk, you know. If not, then you know I'm gonna continue scoping, scoping out the room, right. right? And which is which is how you and I met. And actually, I think you know you were talking to a group of other people that I kind of infiltrated, um, you know, snuck snuck my way in there, <laughs> and, and that's how that's how we you know end up talking because I just introduced myself around. There's mm-hmm. actually not that many people that. Um, that have business cards nowadays. Um, you know, that's something that, that I've noticed. Um, but I remember when I shook your hand, um, and you, you know, kind of looked at me and, and gave me a card and I was like, okay, hold on now. I have, I have one too. <laughs> and I gave you a card and you right. were like, oh, okay. Uh, right. You know? <laughs> and I mean, business cards, I still think business cards are, are a thing. You know, um, I want a nice, thick business card. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that that used to be, like, such a market. And I think there is, there's something to be said for the old school. There, there, really, mm-hmm. there really is. Sometimes you do have to open your mouth and talk and follow up. And, you know, you, you, you can't just, you know, you can't just hit, hit them in, in the DMs all the time. Right. And I think that kind of speaks to today's generation. I, I, I say that they have a microwave mindset. They want everything yesterday. 
They don't want to slow cook anything. They don't want to take the time to get to know that person. I say that many industries, including, I should say, especially entertainment, but I'm sure many others, they're built on relationships. Like I remember when somebody told me way back when I first started my journey in entertainment, they said, this isn't the entertainment business. This is the relationship business. Jimmy Manus, he told me that years ago. This, he's probably one of the first people that was an exec who took the wow. time to kind of give me some tutelage. At the time, he was managing Case. He was working at ASCAP right. before he transitioned over to Jive. And, um, you know, Jimmy Manus, he really gave me a lot of insight on the tenements of this business as it relates to you know, what drives it, what drives it is relationships. So that's how you can get a, you, you, you can turn an album in under budget. You can shoot something Ooh. for something that, you know, a lot less than more than what it would actually cost because wow. it's, it's, it's all about who, you know, not what, you know, because for the most part, everybody knows a lot of the same things. And I even speak to some of the things you mentioned. And I want to unpack that a bit as far as how, when you came into this room, everybody was kind of speaking the same thing. I'm here and I work at this place and that. We'll, we'll see me, you know, having the, the, the benefit of having more trips around the sun than you. One of the things <laughs> that, that I would say is when I'm in a room and I hear a lot of the same thing, it becomes chatter. Conversation is something that distinguishes itself. So when you mentioned immigration to me, I was like, oh. That's different. And I was intrigued by that. If you said, oh, I work with this artist, that artist, you and those other 25 people over there that I, I hear their, what their conversation from earshot as I was from those conversations that they were having. Oh, I'm trying to get my artist this deal, that and the other. But you were able to reverse engineer the conversation with me because I didn't anticipate you saying anything about immigration. So now you're talking to me about something that I know absolutely nothing about. And one of the things that interests me is expanding my reach out of the country. And that's something that, um, you, you know, we, we've already been able to do successfully. We did a documentary. This is for Toronto. And okay. it was about to all things entertainment and nightlife driven and sports and all the things that make Toronto what we know it to be in the entertainment space. So Ooh, that was something cool. that once we did that documentary, then I became more and more intrigued about doing more business out of the country. So when you mentioned immigration and I knew about work visas because my brother has since transitioned um, from the States to Canada to become a, um, I, I don't know if I don't, well, he's on a work, you would ask, you'd have been answering this question better <laughs> than me because like he's on a work visa. So he's still a, 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 a citizen of the United States, but he's in mm -hmm. Canada on a work visa, correct? Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah no, it's absolutely correct. You know, one of the things that we want to do is we want to give yeah. people the opportunity to quite frankly, get put up on game. A lot of people outside of law, Hey, I find myself doing this, but I want to yeah. kind of make the transition and go into another field that where I can utilize my discipline. What would you, what advice would you give them to, to, to help them make that transition? Well, you know, one one of the things that, that I would say and and I'm gonna take this even, you know, from what you said and, and spin it about relationships. I've been really blessed, really fortunate, uh, in my life to have not only great friends, but great mentors as well. And whenever I'm thinking that I'm about to make a move, like I will call up I will call up some of my old mentors. One of my mentors um, actually got introduced to me through um, my old law school professor. Um, I have mentors that I, I, from the first day of, of law school, I was like, you know, they're the ones, they're going to be my mentor. They might not even know it yet. Right. Right. Um, they don't know it, but I know it. They don't know it, but I know it. Right. And sometimes, you know, it's just that, that right about like, um, about presenting yourself. One of um, one of my uh, mentors from law school. We didn't go to law school at at, at the same time. Even mm -hmm. we graduated, you know, almost seven eight years um, um before me. Shout out Lee Fam. Uh, he told me you know, if you're making a transition, it's going to take a long time. And at the time that he told me, he told me that like 
honestly, it was like two and a half years ago. And I was like, you know, it was like 2021. We like the first vaccines for COVID just came out, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm like, it's going to take a long time, you know, like everything like, uh, takes a long time. You know? Yeah, Lee doesn't understand. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sure, everything. You're like, you're like I have LinkedIn. <laughs> like, I have LinkedIn premium. Right, exactly. <laughs> I can pull up on anyone. <laughs> right? So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, guy, like, whatever, right? But, you know, but I took his advice. Um, and, you know, and I heard, I heard what he was saying. Um, and, you know, basically, one of his points was just like, you have to be patient, but you have to save the course, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, in utilizing the relationships um, and the connections that I've made, you know, a lot of them have given me really, really good um, advice over the years. It was one of my um, one of my mentors, also from law school, told me to join Dizla so that mm-hmm. I could even be in the room to meet people like yourself who could be putting me onto game, and mm-hmm. you know, so that I could tell other people how to prepare for takeoff. So, just, mm, you know, I like that plug too. I like that plug. I like that. I like that. I like that. Like using your relationships, like networking and being able to keep those relationships. You know, um, a lot of the friends that I have from law school are people that I've known for years at this point. You know, mm-hmm. um, even I was involved um, in um, a, an amazing opportunity to be involved in um, a benefit concert, um, which was a gospel concert. It's a benefit um, for a church in in Long Island. And it was such a great opportunity. We had some really great artists um, who who came out. Um, shout out Nikia Marie, shout out Jacqueline mm. Carr. Um, and it was really a great opportunity. And I got to bring in, not only it was one of, um, one of my boys who brought me in, who's like a big brother to me, but then I got to bring in one of my friends who I've known for like 16 years um, to also provide um, content and marketing for the concert. So, you know, just mm. having relationships that are in alignment with, with your purpose that is going to be able to, you know, to carry you far. So I know I said a lot about it, but that was one relationship. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Relationships. That was one. Relationships. Right. Um, Two, um, what I would say, you know, in terms of like being, you know, a young but not that young um, professional, sometimes, you know, sometimes you do got to get outside, right? Um, sometimes you got to be, be in the street. Um, one of uh, my friends, his name is Ryan. He has a, um, he has a, um, a platform. It's called Level Up in NYC. And I mean, he corrals every event that black and brown professionals are doing that week and you're mm. being just like yeah i'm gonna do that yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna go to there he's got that's the link. dope yo it's dope I'm a, I'm a, is that I'm, level I'm up nyc.com it is i do not know what the exact but if you search level up nyc it will it will come up right. on instagram he has um he has an um an email listserv that goes out it's really really dope um, and I met him at one event, but I actually found out that we were connected through the gathering spot, um, mm, which I had gotten that's a, connected to. That's another to. spot. That's another, that's another spot, spot. Mm-hmm. Right, that I got connected to because- You'd be um, outside for real. <laughs> I, and you know, the thing is sometimes, you know, everybody in my family tells me I'd be outside too much. Um, but sometimes you do have to be outside because that's when you meet people. That's when things happen organically, right? And you begin to see, okay, you know, you get the most random, you know, connections, the most random information, sometimes just, you know, a bit of fun, you know, you meet folk, you get, you get connected to, to folk and it's not going to happen if you're, you're sitting at home rewatching Bob's Burgers like I love to do. So sometimes right. you got to get outside. Right? Bob's Burgers, they can put no money in your pocket. Now but I going to the gathering spot. <laughs> oh right, right. Oh, absolutely. You but, and me both. But yeah, I, I love, outside. I love that, and I love, Sh- I love Shake Shack. Me and my daughter, 
That's one of our um, guilty pleasures and Krispy Kreme. Oh. But that's a whole nother. Oh my goodness, Krispy Kreme. No, I can't even go. I can't even go past the Krispy Kreme if if the hot donut light is on. I I gotta, you know, <laughs> I I'll start going through withdrawal. You know, one of my so now let me ask. Used to work at Krispy Kreme, and it was a problem. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> now, and I know it's important to be outside because, and, and, and trust me, and. A lot, I know. I know a lot of people who may be, you know, uh, watchers of all things curriculum. Why are they saying we be outside? Because that's how you say it. <laughs> but, but now but, you can but only my, say we be outside if you really do be outside. Okay? Right. You cannot <laughs> say that, and you can't say that out of context, and you can't say we be somewhere else because now. They're going to question you about your ebonics, but we be, but the, but the phrase we be outside, that's a real thing in, a in thing. the melanated community. That's a thing. That's a so thing. now, and, and, and so let me ask you this question. So you understand the importance of networking, your understanding of being able to communicate with anybody and everybody from all walks of life. What are, what are one of the challenges that you still feel like you face that may, um, kind of prevents you from going from where you are to where you want to see yourself. What are some of those barriers? Because you have a lot of the things, the tenements of what allows you to be the success that you are today. You have all of those tenements that are rooted into the fabric of who you are, but what are some of the things that you're working on that will allow you to continue to level up? You know, um, I have this one. This is actually, um, cause I think you had asked me for three things earlier and this ties in and it is my third thing. Oh, um, see, look at that. So, Read, uh, I'm out here reading minds, <laughs> read minds with my questions. You're doing, you, you're doing it. Um, uh, and you, you set me up perfectly, um, for, for this one. So for me, it's like not only, you know, having the knowledge of like, you know, go outside and do all those things, but at the same time, you know, just internally having like having that confidence and saying to myself, I can do, you know, I can do the things that I've set out for myself to do. I'm not going to hear any naysayers. I'm not going to listen to the negativity. I'm going to do it for myself, you know, like, like your daughter and, and her slogan, like, um, if, if, if I can do it, which I think I can do it, then, you know, then, then why don't I do it? You know, in making mm-hmm. transitions, um, getting into new, you know, phases of life, like you hear a lot of people just really feeling a lot of negativity over you and over your life and saying, you know, oh, you can't do that or that thing's really hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, people will tell me about the entertainment industry. It's really hard to get in. It's really hard to break into entertainment. It's really difficult to do entertainment. It's, re- you know, this, that, 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 and the third. And I'm like, well, you know, it's really hard to be a black woman who's an attorney. It's really hard mm-hmm. to be a first generation in in this country. It's really hard to make it through, you know, life with mental health struggles. It's like life is hard, right? Life is difficult. If it was easy, it wouldn't be worth it. So having that and, you know, just trying to block out the negativity and the naysayers, you know, that's something that I'm working on every day, you know, no matter where the negativity comes from. It could be coming mm-hmm. from coworkers, family, friends, it could be coming from anywhere, but you have to be able to block that out and say, I know, you know, where I'm coming from and, and I know where I'm going and I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. I'm definitely not going to let, you know, somebody tell me that I can't do it because they don't think I can, you know, Mm -hmm. you could, you could think whatever you want to think. And I encourage you to think whatever you want to think because, you know, critical thinking is fundamental. But you can have your thoughts over there, and I'm gonna have my thoughts. That my part, that part over here, and and you know we go we go keep this train we go keep this train going on, on opposite tracks. tracks. Okay, <laughs> right, right. You, don't, you know, if you don't believe in me, you don't you don't need to be 
um, behind me or in front of me, mm-hmm. next to me, none of it. So, you know, just having just having that positivity. Like, my friend group is really positive. We're very crazy, but we're very positive and, you know, and we're supportive. If folks are mm-hmm. going through stuff, you know, then it's important that that we support. It's important that that we show up and and that we encourage each other. Um, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe in God. And so when I'm talking about encouraging myself, sometimes it's not even me that's encouraging me. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's coming from other people. Sometimes it's something I saw on Instagram. Uh, you know, I had inspiration. I went, I went on a walk and I saw, um, a tree stump that had been leveled. Um, and wouldn't you know, I saw, um, like little rings in, in the tree stump that were like still growing, even after the tree had been completely chopped. And I thought that, I thought that was so beautiful. Um, so, you know, you can find inspiration anywhere. Mm -hmm anywhere if you look for it and you have to be the person to always seize the positive no matter what yeah and you know i don't i've yet to see a half empty glass i only see half full glasses and and i turn my haters into my motivators and i make certain that they get a front row seat at all of the things that i'm doing because at the end of the day they're haters because they can't see for me what they don't see for themselves. That's what it really That's is. And they say misery loves company. They want me to take refuge in that place of negativity because there's things that they don't think is possible. And when you look at it from that standpoint, how and why can they see something for me what they can't see for themselves because if that's in fact the case then they're gonna then that's all that becomes a whole nother thing like wow so he can do what i can't do so then how is that going to make that person look that's a b the first the first paradigm of change that your mother will tell you this uh is denial Mm. and so if you really want to develop a level of consciousness. That's why back in the sixties and no, I wasn't born then. I ain't that old. <laughs> I didn't say, I didn't say nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> nothing. Right. Right. I ain't that old. I'm a seventies baby. But what I'm saying is when they would say that that brother's conscious is because he was consciously aware of what his reality was. He knew that they, that, that we shouldn't be in the back of the bus. Our kids shouldn't be going to inferior schools. So he was conscious so a lot of us are walking around that we, 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 you know, we are unconscious of what our reality as a community is. And many of the things, because we don't want to deal with it, we just find ourselves in this place of denial. That's the paradigm of change. And then the mm. next step is acceptance. So many of your friends that don't see what they can't see for themselves, they, and they damn sure can't see it for you, that's because they're in denial. They're in denial right. that the things that, they see other people doing, they think it's circumstantial and it's really not. It's just hard work. Hard it's work and a little success, bit of luck. Mm-hmm. 100% success is when preparation meets opportunity. And if you're committed to what it is you want to be successful at, when, when, when people ask, how can I find my passion? Well, your passion is directly tied to your purpose. So that's what God, God gives us something in our spirit that's going yes. to drive us. But then the enemy... His job is to steal and rob us of that gift that God is trying to bestow on us. We are what if, if we're going into the holiday season, my daughter, Christmas is something that that's probably, you know, the most favorite. That's the most wonderful time of the oh, year. Okay. You know, you know the song is the most <laughs> right. Wonderful time Christmas for weeks now. Okay. So oh, I right, right, <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and look, I wasn't going to try to sing because that's not something that I do well. Go ahead. No, <laughs> no, no, no right. you can do it. Right. No, nah, uh, you ain't going to put me out there. But one of the things that when my sister, listen to me, because you said sister, then I'm thinking sister. But <laughs> when my daughter comes downstairs, when she comes downstairs mm-hmm. and see what's under the Christmas tree, the thing that's going to grab her attention first are all of the gifts that are unwrapped. And, but keep in mind, the biggest gift, the most expensive gift, I should say, may be something that's unwrapped, that's 
in the back of the tree, somewhere that's not in view. So I, I think that life as we know it is the tree of life. And mm -hmm. there are many gifts that we have within us, many of which are unpacked. And those are the ones that are going to, that's going to help lead us to our true purpose. Now, yeah. We, 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 we may find ourselves doing some of the things that we, sometimes we may enjoy. Sometimes we may not. That's the bike that you can't wrap. You know, that's, that's the hula hoop that you can't wrap all cool things, but you may have a STEM, you know, a, a stem cell research kit. If that's what you're into, that's in the box that you, that, that you can only see it if you un, unwrap it and unpack and, un, and unpackage it. I think that's mm -hmm. that same holds true about who we are and what our purpose is. A lot of times we, we go to, we go for the low hanging fruit, mm. but we have to be willing to climb those proverbial branches to get to that fruit that others are afraid to reach for. And no matter what may stop us, whether it's mental health, whether it's our friends and family, we have to realize and understand everything that is worth having is going to come with challenges. If, 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 if it was something that was worth having, uh, what, one of the things that makes something worth having is mm -hmm. the fact that most people don't have it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody, no, nobody goes to a Beasley event and says, you know, I want to be average. I want to be normal. I want to be typical. I want to be a typical attorney. I want to be an average attorney. I want to be a practitioner of the law and I want to do that on a, you know, average to <laughs> subpar level. No one's going to say that. Nobody, you know, as, as as a client, nobody wants an, an attorney. Nobody wants an like, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm average. When, when, no when they look at your firm, they're going to want to see what distinguishes you, and yeah. some of the things that distinguish you are the things that you've been able to achieve that most firms haven't been able to. So that's the thing that distinguishes you. One of the, one of the conversations I had earlier was with a friend from back home. I'm originally from West Virginia, as you know, born and raised. I'm always going to shout that out, even though I've been in the metropolitan area for almost 30 years, <laughs> but I'm still born and raised um, in Charleston, West Virginia, actually born in Charleston, raised in Dunbar, just outside of, just outside of Charleston. But nonetheless, one of the things that a, a friend of mine from back home said to me mm -hmm. actually today was like, man, you know what? You've always exuded an extreme level of confidence. And as a result of your confidence, then opportunities may find themselves your way. And this is just me unpacking what it is that he said, because nobody is going to gravitate to somebody that isn't confident. You're going to gravitate yes. to someone that's confident because you know what? That brother may know something that I need to know. So yes. if you yes. walk in the room like you belong, then you will leave with all of the belongings. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ooh, I like that. Right, you I like, like that? I like you that. Like that? Like that one. one of the things I find myself doing when I'm talking to people, I do a lot of HBCU outreach. And when I'm talking to the kids, it's, hey, what are you willing to do for free? then that's more than likely what you're passionate about because the money will come. If you think about it, just unpack entertainment. If someone said, Hey, listen, let's create an art form that often sad, but unfortunately true marginalizes women glorifies violence. <laughs> and it tells these stories that society is trying to sweep under the rug in a way that they want, they don't want you to fully understand and be, and be made aware of the atrocities that are that are going on in this community. So the powers that be don't really have an interest in talking about police brutality, talking about you know children that are that that are unfortunately finding themselves in a state of suicide ideation because of their reality as they know it, whether Brenda's Brenda's having a baby or whatever the case may be. This art form in question is hip hop, one of the highest grossing art forms in the world. But mm -hmm. how the, the places that it was birthed out of, I'm sure anybody who was a study of the, the a, you know, a student of history as it relates to the music industry or entertainment as a whole, the first thing they would have said, oh, you have to make it more widespread. You have to make it, you know, more appealing to the masses. No, what right. it is, is you have to follow your passion. And if right. I'm passionate right. about right. telling you these stories and I can tell you these stories in a way that they're not being told, or I can tell them in a way that you've never heard them, then people I've are going to pull you. up and want to hear how that story is told because you're telling it in a way that they've never heard it. 
And that's how why hip hop, the Jay Z's and the Dr. Dre's of the world, that's how they've been able to just stay true to who they are, tell these stories about life as they've known it. And then the kids that's from the suburbs, whether that's Long Island or Westchester right. or New Jersey, they they're intrigued by it. those. Mm -hmm. Right, they're, they're they're going to gravitate to that. So, but I say all that to say, um, even present day, in in in, in the in, in our professional trajectories, like you have to figure out. What is it that's going to allow me to stand out in a way that ties to what I'm passionate about I'm passionate and what's about. going to, mm -hmm. and, and really, and you, and I think you touched on it earlier when you're networking, oftentimes people think, Oh, it's about the elevator pitch. The elevator pitch is you. If you're somebody that, that, that possesses a uh, high character and you're somebody that you're a woman or a man of your word, then that's something that is going to take you a long way. You know, you, you can't be somebody who says you're going to do something. And you don't do it. You can't be somebody mm -hmm. who says they're going to follow. Cause I mean, I know when we spoke, you can't be somebody that says you're going to follow up and then don't follow up. And, and, and from, and, and from day one, when you told me you were going to do something, you always did it. You said, listen, I'm going to call you tomorrow at five. Five o'clock, like clockwork, my phone was ringing. And that's something that I can value. I, I can value and appreciate that because that's who I am. I'm the kind of person that I'm going to undercommit and overdeliver. If I meet you and you're ill-prepared, then I'm going to try to do my best to prepare you. Hence the word prepare for takeoff. I know there's a lot of people <laughs> who don't necessarily have the game that I have to give, but yeah. I'm going to give it to you for free because somebody gave it to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so if, if you're really about the business of uplifting us as a community, then don't point out what's wrong. Be a part right. of what's right. Right. Be, you know, offer, offer a solution, you know, at least. Um, and, you know, that's unfortunately, you know, I do find a lot of people in the community, um, you know, will just only have like negative things to say. And I'm like, you know, don't don't bring me problems if you're not gonna bring me a solution, you know, mm -hmm. right right behind it, right? Because otherwise, you know, keep it keep it to yourself. If I have eyes and I have ears, and I can do some, you know, critical thinking and some some reasonable deduction, I can see that, you know, if there are problems, I do not need you to point out the right. problems, right? Like like I got it. I trust. I'm you, here for the solution. Like I'm here for the solution. And I think, you know, what you said, um, especially about hip hop and the early years of hip hop, um, it just had, to me, it's just having that authenticity, um, right? And that's something that um, I think speaks volumes before anything else is being authentic and mm -hmm. allowing that and allowing, you know, those aspects of your personality or anything that you're doing, allowing that. To, to really shine forth. Um, don't, you know, don't try to make stuff up. Um, you know, one of the things that they that they told us, that they taught us in law school, is if you don't know the answer to something, say, I don't know. Don't right. go make it, don't go making it up. Don't go and you're going to make it worse. <laughs> creating the narrative, right? Because right. um, especially as professionals, you know, when you start saying stuff, people, people take it seriously. Like, don't, you know, don't have people taking your word as Bible if you don't know what you're talking about and you're making it up. Just say if you, you don't, don't know chapter know. and verse, then don't quote, don't, don't quote <laughs> something like his scripture. Okay. That's, that's, like, that's facts. Know. That's facts. That's facts. So, you know, it's like, since, you know, sometimes don't, don't even, you know, don't, don't go there. But when you're talking about, um, you know, like, I, I, I really do, you know, I really do have to thank God. I really do have to thank uh, my parents and, and, and my ancestors for laying, like, such a path for me. Because exactly like you said, maybe everybody doesn't have that. But, you know, it's not to say that you have to have that in order to be successful. There's always something that somebody brings to the mm -hmm. table. You know, there's always... And like you said, maybe it's an unwrapped gift. Maybe it's something people didn't even realize that they had. And that's mm -hmm. why, um, you know, when I talked uh, previously about, um, you know, not letting people get to you with that negativity, a lot of that, you know, comes from, comes from self-worth. A lot of that can come from, you know, self-realization. 
Um, a lot of that has to come from you staying down with, with yourself and being real with, with yourself. If you're always going, 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 and you don't ever take the time to sit down and think about and self-reflect, then you're only just going to keep going, going, going and being in a survival mode rather than transitioning to not being able to thrive and really being able to grow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it takes a lot to to get out of that, especially as a community. um, It's something that's really, really very difficult. That's why I always, you know, advocate for mental health. I always advocate for um, for self-care, always advocate for just taking a minute and taking some time to yourself to really evaluate and be okay with yourself. You found your purpose because you were willing to pursue your passion. And I believe that your purpose is tied to something that's generational, something that is tied to not just your parents, but your grandmother, who I know transitioned in this country on all things, a work visa. What is it that you told us that you do? What do, what do you analyze uh, and help people get approved? Work, work visas. So yeah. your, your grandmother is peacock proud of her grandbaby doing the very thing that helped her pursue a better life in this country so her kids' kids can continue to accept. Um, uh, Devon Franklin he actually has this like series of um of affirmations and he says you know um i am love i am loved i am success right and mm-hmm. you know and keeps keeps saying i think you're supposed to repeat i am success three times um so that it really so the message really sinks in right i'm mm-hmm. not saying i'm trying to be successful what kind of manifestation right. what kind of affirmation is that right, right. no you got to say i am success i'm not trying you know to do this i am i am this um and so you know hopefully we say it enough times and uh and and we believe it so uh you know to close i'll say i am preparing for takeoff oh i love that i love that (laughs) and not only are you right slide that in there and not only are you preparing for takeoff you're preparing others for takeoff I just wanted to, you know, take this time to thank you for being on the show. Um, I enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure our listeners and viewers enjoyed it as well. And just wanted to thank you for making some time for us and encourage everybody to continue to um, check us out every week. We're going to be sitting with a uh, proven professional or rising entrepreneur. We are committed to amplifying black excellence. And every week we're going to pour into you and help you prepare for takeoff.